I was sharing in Staff Chapel recently, admitting to my colleagues that I have always been a person with a high level of risk aversion in my life, in all things of my life. I love certainty, and I do not love uncertainty. I don't like risky decisions. I don't like risky uh, experiences. I don't like risky environments. And so the Lord called and sent me to Africa, where everything from drinking water, roads, and highways, politics, and all else is usually full of risk. All that to say that uh, my uh, high-risk aversion factor really kicked in as I was thinking about using that hit song from 1944, Sentimental Journey, as a lead-in for my message today. I mean, after all, that thing is four, four years older than I am. Uh, but a couple of things helped ease my concerns just a little bit. First, Doris Day's hit song back then coincided with the end of World War II and actually became an unofficial homecoming theme for veterans returning home from that terrible war, that longed-for journey home, back to things familiar and important and essential in renewing and often helping in the recovery of those veterans. A couple of the verses of this old song says, going to take a sentimental journey, going to set my heart at ease, going to make a sentimental journey to renew old memories. Never thought my heart could be so yearning. Why did I decide to roam? I got to take this sentimental journey, sentimental journey home. Secondly is the very definition of that word, sentimental. Something that has sentimental value is something very important to us because of its connection with a significant moment, place, person, or thing in one's life. A sentimental journey, then, is to visit or return to a place that holds a familiar significance, bringing back valuable and impacting reminders of the past, and many times these come with very positive results. Last Sunday, Pastor Daniel Guy brought a strong, clear word about becoming the church of tomorrow. Today, I'm going to encourage us in the value of casting a glance behind us to our past. Now, that might sound natural. Pastor Daniel has most of his life ahead of him at age 42. Me, I can't even remember 42. But just know we didn't get together, toss a coin, heads, you take the future, tails, I'll take the past. No, we didn't do that. It does seem to me, however, that God must have something to say on both of these topics. So let's lend an ear this morning. I do know that our Western culture tends to place more significance on the future rather than on the past. While many other cultures in the world actually revere their past and at times don't really pay enough attention to their future. Well, truth is, as you know, both perspectives are sorely needed in our lives. 
So let me just suggest that while we are barreling full speed into the uncharted world of tomorrow, our future, we should keep our feet firmly planted on the solid, reliable elements that we have found in our past. These elements may just serve to make that journey into our future more safe and more successful in all we wish to accomplish in what lies ahead of us. So I want to take you this morning on a journey to a small yet significant place called Gilgal. And let's set about uncovering the special significance. In fact, I would even say the critical significance to our own journey, our own story of a place called Gilgal. And in order to achieve that, I do need to share with you some backstory before we plunge in. No doubt one of the most epic narratives of the Old Testament is the one covering the children of Egypt in their Egyptian slavery experience and their ultimate delivery and departure for freedom and restoration. And you've got to include in that their protracted journey and getting to their final place. The trek on foot from Egypt to the land of promise was incredibly prolonged by the tendency of those people to murmuring, to fear, and to uh, being disobedient. And this truly is a story about God's dealings with that unruly, complaining mob of former slaves while trying to mold them into his chosen people and get them to his promised land. Someone has looked over this whole Exodus narrative and concluded by calling it a God-sized nightmare. It took a lot of lessons, experiences, crises, disappointments, and divine intervention for God's plan to ever be accomplished in their life. In fact, an entire generation, those who originally left Egypt with Moses, fell into unbelief and open rebellion, and they would pass from the scene entirely, and a new generation would appear before the journey would actually come to a conclusion. Our focus for today begins with that second generation of wanderers, of sons and daughters, after 40 years of nomadic living. At this point in the story, they are geographically positioned east of the Jordan River, prepared to cross over and finally possess the land. So for the next few moments, let's consider the meaning. Let's answer the question about one of the most frequently mentioned locations in the entire uh, uh, Old Testament. That would be Gilgal. What is the significance of Gilgal? To find out, I want us to focus in these moments on completing this phrase, Gilgal stands as, or Gilgal stands for. So first of all, to get started, let's consider that Gilgal stands at a place of crossing, a place of completion. Let's read from Scripture, Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 and 17 from the New Living Translation. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. 
the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. What an amazing moment as God's miraculous intervention unfolded as the waters of the Jordan River literally stopped flowing by the hand of God, piling up to the north and flowing off uh, to the south as the riverbed became empty. And for sure, as we talk about this, there are multiple takeaways as we consider this miraculous moment the crossing of the Jordan River. For those second-generation wanderers, that crossing represented a completion. They could finally cry out with relief, done, finished, arrived, and 40 year, after 40 years and incredible obstacles, they had the priority of declaration. Their epic journey ended just as it had begun 40 years before. For you see, their parents had experienced a comparable miracle of God making a way for them. That time, 40 years earlier, it was through the Red Sea. So the exit crossing of their parents was also miraculous. Fitting, don't you think, then, that here at the end of the journey, the entry crossing of this second generation of sons and daughters should also be miraculous. Again, just as at the Red Sea, God led the way, this time with the Ark of the Covenant planted in the middle of the, ri the river. Just try to picture that for a moment, that amazing event in the Jordan River. And upon arriving on the other side, Israel pitched their first camp between the Jordan River and Jericho, which actually was less than 10 miles away, and they called that place of encampment Gilgal. At Gilgal, Israel could still literally look back to the east and still see the Jordan River. And so they could see as the waters began flowing back into place normally as God released them, and they could know after everything they had been through that their journey was complete. They had arrived. Also at Gilgal, Israel would recognize that their crossing also represented a significant transition, a transition in lifestyle, a transition in everything. No longer wanderers, but finally occupiers, conquerors, inhabitants, citizens of the land God promised to their ancestors. Think about it. If you do, Gilgal could possibly come to relate to your own decision, your own crossing, your own set of circumstances, the change which you yourself may be facing. Secondly, Gilgal stands as a place of witness. Let's read again Joshua 4, beginning in verse 19, again from the New Living Translation. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. 
Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea, when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever." I think we need to note here the compound nature of Joshua directing the 12 stones be placed in monument alignment. First of all, according to Scripture, it was done to provide a witness to Israel's future generations that this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground just as he did at the Red Sea by God's own hand. Secondly, he did it as a witness to all the nations of the earth that they might know the strength of the Lord's hand. And thirdly, so that you, Israel, you standing right here, might fear the name of the, uh, of the Lord your God forever. And I think this is key to everything I want to say to us this morning. God, in that moment, speaks to those standing in sight of that stone pile of witness, which he fixed in place for them, uh, that they might see and remember that something good and great and life-changing happened for them right there at a place called Gilgal. So don't forget it. Don't lose sight of it. However far you may roam from this place in conquest and occupation, this Gilgal is home base. Come back and remember, this is where you first set feet on the land of promise. Be drawn to it and hold the Lord your God in high esteem and solemn reverence because of all that he has done for you. Thirdly, Gilgal stands as a place of commitment. Just one verse, Joshua 5 and 2. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites. Remember, God entered into an eternal covenant with Father Abraham many generations prior on behalf of all the children of Israel. An outward sign of that eternal covenant was to be circumcision for all Jewish males. Those men who left Egypt originally had fulfilled that essential step. Well, during the wilderness period, circumcisions were not performed, resulting in this second generation now taking up residence in Canaan, not having fulfilled that very significant covenant action. In all other ways, they might have been well living according to Jewish laws and values, but this all-important one they had not yet fulfilled. That step was missing. Now, that act was very obviously not changeable after the fact. It was clearly something which could not be undone. So naturally, it was a step of higher commitment. Can we even say ultimate commitment? 
God asked for more than just compliance to the way things were done in Jewish life. He asked for an irreversible action binding them to the Lord God of Israel and at the same time bringing them under his protection through this covenant-repairing, covenant-restoring step. And you know, the Old Testament writer records absolutely no murmuring, no complaining, no hesitation from those people. And they were very good at murmuring and complaining and hesitating. But there was none on that day. After participating in that glorious, divinely assisted crossing of the Jordan, the call to full and total commitment to their covenant relationship seemed fully the right thing for them to pursue. In fact, that step of commitment was a no-turning-back, no-second-thought type of commitment. This step was not unlike Daniel's decision to keep praying in spite of the Babylonian king's decree making prayer to the Lord God illegal, punishable by death. Daniel prayed on in an I-have-decided type of commitment. Nor is it different from that of Queen Esther, who at the risk of her own life stood to stand up for her people before the king who also held her life in his hand. And in the process of standing, she is recorded declaring without reservation, if I perish, I perish. Also, and I have decided type of commitment. Gilgal would in fact forever be known in Israel and beyond for that sacred decision of unreserved commitment made there by that second generation of inhabitants of the new promised land. And after all, here we are millennia later still talking about it today. Gilgal also stands as a place of worship. Joshua 5.10 reads, While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plain of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Passover was and is a celebration of God's deliverance and redemption for the people of Israel. You remember as the 10th plague fell on Egypt. The death angel swept across the land, taking the firstborn of every Egyptian household. The Israelites could be protected by the blood of a lamb smeared on the doorposts of their home, marking the family within as a covenant family protected by God. The first Passover was that night celebrated in Egypt. The second observance was at Sinai as God ordained that they celebrate Passover in remembrance. Otherwise, Passover was not observed during the wilderness wanderings at all. The third Passover celebration was observed at Gilgal as God moved the people into this significant multi-day worship of God because of his deliverance. With their feet planted on covenant-promised soil, those second-generation wilderness wanderers laid everything aside to worship the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Simply stated to you this morning, there are moments 
frequent moments when we need to retreat and find our Gilgal, our place of worship, for no other reason than to give worship to the God who always provides for everything we need in this day as well. Finally, Gilgal also stands as a place of renewal. 1 Samuel eleven twenty four reads, Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal to renew the kingdom. Here's the context for that one simple verse. Saul was anointed king of Israel by Samuel the prophet. Well, the people did not respond totally positive to that selection. They were not totally supportive of the new king Saul. Yet Saul ultimately proved his commitment to the nation by saving the inhabitants of a place called Jabesh-Gilead to the north from an attack of the enemy Ammonites. Well, Samuel recognized the impact of Saul's heroic action saving the people of Jabesh-Gilead, so he called all the people of Israel to go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom. The Hebrew word translated as renew here indicates to repair, to make new, to fix, to restore. In other words, Israel, you were half-hearted in the beginning, if not actually against this new king. It's time to give Saul the appropriate inauguration and the homage he deserves as God's chosen and anointed king. So let's go to Gilgal and and let's fix this problem we have. Let's make it right. Let's go and let's renew the kingdom. In your spiritual quest after God, have you ever come to realize in your life that something is just a little bit out of focus. Something in my spiritual walk is just a little bit off. Something seems to me to need renewing. Something about my relationship with the Lord seems to need fixing. It's a time of wrong reactions or of stinking attitudes or of passion which is diminishing, or of spiritual focus which is really suffering, we certainly can find ourselves, all of us, in our walk with God in need of mid-course adjustments, corrections, renewal in our lives. We need to retreat to Gilgal, a place of renewal. We'll conclude this morning with a question. What meaning does Gilgal hold for you and me today? Well, let's quickly rehearse these points that I've just given you. Gilgal stands for a crossing. Is there a crossing, a transition you need to make, or you are, in fact, trying to make? Is it a crossing into solid faith from wavering faith? Is it a change you feel very strongly but to some degree you fear at the same time. Gilgal is about finding courage to cross over, trusting God to clear the way. Israel faced a literal wilderness of heat and hunger and exhaustion, 
Well, perhaps you and I today can't relate so well with going through that experience. But metaphorically speaking, perhaps we can relate to being in a place in life where we just feel stuck. That no matter what we do and no matter how many times we recalculate the route, it keeps taking us right back to the place where we started. Perhaps we've been experiencing a wilderness of bruised relationships or of declining health or of a stagnated career, unable to find a true sense of destiny and purpose for our lives. Our wilderness can actually drive us to give up hope of things ever changing for the better. Instead, we decide to just tread those same well-worn paths of bitterness hopelessness, cynicism that will surely lead to our defeat. Gilgal is not about defeat. Gilgal is about crossing over, leaving your wilderness on the other side in the dust. Perhaps Gilgal is about your witness. Your children and their children need a clearly spoken account of the goodness of God intervening for you both now and in your past, just as he did for Israel. Others in your circle of family or acquaintances may just now wait for your witness, the story of your personal Gilgal, telling them boldly to look what the Lord has done for you. What he's done for me and others, he'll certainly do for you. Gilgal represents commitment. Could it be this very morning that God is calling someone in this crowd to your Gilgal today to break a long-standing tendency to maybe hold back just a little bit from God, to always stop just short of an all-out, sold-out yes to Him? Or maybe it's not that at all. Maybe it's a commitment of yes you need to make or renew to your spouse, your marriage, yes to your family, yes to your job, yes to your new situation, yes to your new place and your new friends. Gilgal stands for commitment in, the li in our lives. Perhaps today your Gilgal is an internal spring of worship needing to burst out of your innermost being and rise to God. Not worship instigated and orchestrated in a crowd, but worship that is within your private heart and comes out reaching up sincere, personal, in-depth worship to him. Gilgal was a place of worship. Or is it a hunger you're feeling, longing for, searching, striving for renewal to find a right place of spiritual standing with God and your brothers. For Gilgal truly was a place of renewal. The problem is, you see, our lives, the problem is, you see, in our lives, not in God. It's us. It's me. He is unchanging, unwavering, always loving, always ready, a sentimental, significant journey to an important, life-altering Gilgal experience 
follows many different paths to get there. You may get there by way of an altar call that is made right here in this sanctuary at various times. You may get there through your private prayer time all alone. You may get there right in the middle of corporate worship when God just breaks on your heart and takes you to Gilgal. You may get there through deep meditation and reflection on the goodness of God. You may get there through interaction with a godly friend. There are many routes to take you to your Gilgal. In fact, Gilgal is all about God's goodness. Everything we've found that Gilgal stands for this morning is good, beneficial, life-altering, life-improving. None of it is punitive. None of it is negative. It is all the good things that God wants to visit upon your life when you go to your figurative Gilgal. A chance to transition for the good. A chance to announce the goodness of God to your family and friends. A chance for complete commitment at last. A chance to rise in heartfelt deep worship. And a chance to renew your determination to walk with God now and then again and then again and then again. Gilgal is a place of God's goodness. In closing, can I share a brief witness this morning to you? A dear friend of mine sent me this written testimony some time ago about how God gave her a personal Gilgal. She wrote, when you're going through a significant or difficult place in life, journey back and remember what God has done for you in the past. It will be a confirmation of what he can do in the present and the future. Probably not many people have a personal Gilgal, but I do. It is off Kearney at a series of two-story townhouses not far from Highway 13. When my son was just a toddler, his crib was in a corner of our second-floor bedroom. The foot of the crib happened to be very close to a window. Somehow, our son crawled out and close to the window, leaned against the screen, and fell out. He actually hit a series of pipes on his way down two stories. X-rays showed he had a cracked skull. The doctors could not believe he had survived the fall at all. Years later, it was a sermon that pointed out to me the two-story townhouse off Kearney and Highway 13 was indeed my Gilgal, where God performed a life-changing miracle for me and my family. You see, we all have places, spiritual or physical, where we can go back spiritually or physically and remember what God has done for us in the past. And it was time for me to start remembering all the times that God had worked miracles in my life. So when things get bad, I take a drive down Kearney, and I look at that building and look up directly at the second-story window that used to be our bedroom. My toddler son back then is a grown man now. He and his wife occasionally drive by that place as well. 
to remember and to be encouraged. You see, the stones at the literal Gilgal would serve a teaching purpose to coming generations as well so that they too could remember what the Lord had done for them. That two-story building is our monument for remembering. It is my Gilgal, and it is my son's Gilgal. I have shared with many that were going through significant moments in their life to go back to the places, revisit the places that God has worked in their life and remember what God has done for us. I dare say that like this sweet friend, everybody in this room that has any experience at all of a relationship with God can look back over your life and find a Gilgal where God did something remarkable and memorable and life-changing for you. And the call of the Gilgal is experienced to go back and see what God might want to do for you in this day and in this hour. Gilgal is a place of crossing. I pray that this coming week will be a place of crossing for any of you that are facing those moments and maybe you're doing so with a bit of hesitation or a bit of perplexity. May God give you the courage and the enablement that you need to cross over from your wilderness to a land of bright promise. Or maybe it's about witness. After the first service this morning, I got a, te a long text message from a family out of state that had been watching online and had children that had strayed away from the Lord and how the idea that we need to, to continue regardless, we need to continue a strong witness to our children and to their children of what God has done in our lives today and in all of our yesterdays as a witness to what he wants to do in their hearts as well. Perhaps this coming week will be a Gilgal experience for you where you finally make the all-out, no-holds-barred commitment. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I have decided to be the husband of my family. I've decided to be the wife of my family. I've decided that I'm going to stick this job out and make it a success. I've decided that I'm going to like this new location and these new people. I've decided that I'm going to settle and have victory in my soul regardless of it all. I have made a commitment. May this coming week be a place of worship where in the night hours, or on your way to work, on your way to school, on the school bus, in your car, as you shower, wherever it may be, doesn't matter. Our hearts burst open with a well of living water that just has to come out and express praise and worship to God, and we will be the better for it. And I'll be the first to confess those moments in my life when I have just utterly needed God to come down and renew everything within me. You can call it a dry place. You can call it a barren place. Call it whatever you will. There are those moments when we all recognize, I just need a renewing touch from God. Find Gilgal this week. It is a place of renewal. And let God renew you as we give ourselves fresh to him and his purpose in our lives. I recommend to you taking time to make these sentimental journeys back to those moments where God just came down 
and burst into your life in a way that cannot be denied. You may be doubting today, but a sentimental journey to, to Gilgal will make it all fresh and new to you and increase your faith to believe rather than doubt. At times, a journey of return to a place that holds a familiar significance or even a critical significance brings back valuable, impacting reminders of God in your life. Such witness about God responding to us in our past may be exactly what we need to catalyze our journey into a brighter future. May God help you to visit Gilgal today and frequently as we live and seek victory in our walk with the Lord. I want you to stand with me this morning.